Ladies and gentlemen, welcome to the 3-0 Take, where we talk all things Major League Baseball. Here's Kyle Corwin and Nate Reyes. It all starts right now. Welcome back to the 3-0 Take, presented by Big League Chew. This is episode 308. I'll be your host, Kyle Corwin, and I'm here with my co-host, Nate Reyes. Nate and the return special guest. Ryan Ripken. At some point, we're just going to have to just start saying Ryan Ripken joins us because you're not, you're not, I mean, no offense, Ryan, but you're, you're not as much of a special guest anymore. You're, you're one of the boys. You're, you're just part of the crew. Yeah. That's flattering. You're, that I is, mean, that is flattering. That, that made, that has made my Monday so far. Um, it, obviously, you know, whatever name guest, you know, my own name, whatever you want to say, I, I'm just glad to be on and, and, uh, I'm glad you can consider me one of the boys. It's, uh, like I said, always a pleasure with you too. People, people can just count on hearing hearing uh, Ryan Ripken every Monday on the three O take, and that's that's something that they, as well as Nate and I, can look forward to. Yeah, there you go. You're in. Simple as that. Thank you, guys. Like Simple <laughs> as that. If you guys like it or not, uh, I'm here. So I'm <laughs> glad glad to be with you. I, f- I feel like I do need to put this out there, though, because I did have people asking questions, and Ryan, don't, don't want to put you on the spot here, but people were wondering how in the world I got the seats that I did for this weekend's uh, Sox-O's game, and they said, surely that costs a lot of money, and I said, well, we, we, kn- we know a guy. We know a guy. <laughs> and, they, and the majority of the people came back and said, yeah, that, that was my first guess. That, that was my first guess. So, so people were putting the pieces. They together. put the pieces together. They yeah. said, you know, this guy is a is an O's guy, and Kyle is at an O's game. So, just so to give backstory to people with this is that initially Kyle and I were going to try to go to the Red Sox O's game, at least one game in the series, and we picked the date. And unfortunately, then as it got closer, I realized I had to travel. And I, I'm a, I like to think I'm a man of my word, and I, and I wanted you guys to have the experience. You guys went for a good game for, to be a Red Sox fan, and um, you know it seemed like it was a good experience. I'm glad you got to be able to go, uh, but we will have to run that back where both of us can be in the same spot. Yeah, no, it was uh, it, it was good. I I'm not here to rub it in, but I it, it was a weekend <laughs> for the Sox to put the O's on notice. Be like, hey, let's. Let's let's temper expectations a little bit. The the division still runs through the big four. We're just having a little bit of an off year. That's all. But it was it was good. It was good. And you got some airtime. Yeah, I mean it. It sucked for Meredith. Her face was blocked by the score bug the whole time. But I mean it was it was a good day for old KC. I, I know that much. So if I haven't already said thank you for the experience, that was that was quite the experience. Sox really, really keeping it. that playoff chance alive too, so that's good. I think it's less than 0.1 percent, but hey, it is. <laughs> it was. They're alive. Good, They're not dead. It was a good day at the park. That's all. That's all I'm gonna say. We're not, not gonna talk yet. about expectations yet. <laughs> um, what we are gonna talk about, and we just were mentioning it before we hopped on air. Ryan's got a little, little background with this. We're gonna talk about some of the rule changes. That were announced, I believe, on Friday. Uh, let's start with the pitch timer. So the pitch timer will be coming to Major League Baseball in 2023. If I read it correctly, it appears as though we're going to have a 30-second timer between batters. And then between pitches, there will be a 15-second timer. 
with that's bases with, empty. With bases yeah, I was empty. gonna say yeah, and then twenty seconds with runner on base. Yeah. So I like it. I mean, I'm kind of yeah. We kind of saw this coming. What What do we think? I'm okay with it. I think I think it's. I keep hearing the take that it's going to affect hitters more than people think, and I would agree. I think hitters and probably relievers. I feel like are the two because you know relievers you know are those like hey I'm only out here for 20 25 pitches so I'm going max effort and those are the guys that take so much time in between pitches whereas you have starting pitchers that are more used to having a tempo and kind of keeping up with the flow of the game I'm curious to see the the interaction between umpires and hitters though I think that's what I'm really holding out for yeah, my, my take, I think, what's going to happen is is changing people's, you know, rhythm and, and what they're kind of going off with you're saying, but their routine. Mm-hmm. And so for pitchers and for hitters, it's routine-based. And so I think the pitching routine might affect them more, especially relievers where, let's face it, you see guys that come out of the pen. And I think, you know, I saw this firsthand, uh, firsthand uh, Hendricks for the White Sox likes to take more of his time. And that's going to be an interesting component because a lot of guys have been used to pitching this way. And I know that they've been sampling it this year in the minors and it has ruffled some feathers. I think long-term people will get used to it. Mm -hmm. Short-term, I think that is going to be a thing. You're right. Both hitters and pitchers, they're creatures of habit. I, I think we can all say we all were used to our own habits. That's going to be a hard thing is to get in that routine, um, especially probably in year one. I'm, uh, I don't, I gotta, I feel like I gotta qualify what I'm about to say here because I, I don't want it to come across as me just barking at every new change that comes on the pipe. But to me, I feel like we're starting to get in a dangerous situation with Major League Baseball where we're starting to, to quantify everything. We're starting to put, I don't want to say restrictions, but you're you're putting parameters on you're signing parameters to just about everything, and it's almost as if you're you are eliminating from baseball what makes baseball so special, and it's that the guy on the mound has to throw the ball, the guy at the plate has to attempt to hit the ball, and then when you start when you start adding these timers in, then to me, it, and it's certainly more complex than how I'm making it sound right now, but you're basically just throwing it. You're just lumping it in there with all the other sports where you're saying, okay, well, we got a, we got a, we got a quota to hit here. We got a, we got a, a, a time restriction to, to meet here for old uncle Rob. Like we got to get this thing moving. I'm just not, I don't know. I mean, in all reality, are these guys that are taking three, four days in between pitches, are they as common as they're making it sound I, I just I think, can't imagine that being the I case. Think, I think you and I see things differently because we're not the average fans, right? Like all three of us have this this thought process in between pitches, right? Like I I love you. We went to the to the wild card game, and I was like, every, after every pitch, I was thinking of like what would be next in the pitch sequence, right? Like what would okay? He just went fastball in. What is he trying to set him up for? Is he thinking soft in a way? Like, that's how my mind goes, right? And so I have my mind filled with thoughts during that gap. I think the average fan or newer fan does not. And so they're like, okay, that was a ball. 
we're we're ready for the next one. Let's go. Yeah, here we go. You know, there's no yeah. there's no real preparation for what could happen next. And and I think that's how the newer fans are gonna get used to things. It's like, all right, well, we can start to figure this stuff out a little bit quicker. And I, I'm okay with it. I really am. And and unless I'm watching these games and I it feels rushed, but like as an infielder, as a former infielder, all three of us. We're all on board with our guy getting back on the rubber and saying, let's go, right? So, like, I think I'm okay with it personally. Like, I think long term, like, this is going to turn out to not be as much of an issue. I just do really think because, let's face it, at the highest level, it hasn't been done. And the continued conversation with Major League Baseball is how do we improve the quote-unquote product? How do we make the game more efficient? And I think you're right to the point. Not every fan is going to look at it maybe from the strategical stance between each pitches yeah. or how you're getting yourself comp- or g- getting yourself prepared as the pitcher or as a hitter. Uh, so that part plays into it. And MLB is trying to find more ways to be engaging for the fans to keep them more on their toes. Because for the for the other major professional sports, the only other sport that really takes time between plays so much is football. But football is the most watched sport. It's the most uh, entertaining because it seems like every play something's happening. Baseball can be a ball one, and then you're you're waiting for the next pitch. So long term, I think. Well, NFL this is going ha- to help the game. Nobody wants to talk about this, Go but ahead. the NFL has actually less action time than Major League Baseball. But that's a conversation that people aren't ready to have. They just right. They just well, and I it. well, but but the th- <laughs> but the reason but the reason is is because in between each play minus penalties. It is going to be it's going to be a run. It's going to be a pass. There could be some sort of action that's going to take place. In baseball, there's no guarantee that you know a ball is going to be put in play mm-hmm. or that the hitter is going to swing at it. Yeah. But as a baseball fan, you love the chess match. But if you're trying to engage newer fans, like Nate was saying, I think that's going to help. But players are going to are going to be stressed about this in the beginning. Make no mistake, it's going to be a growing pain type of thing. But I think down the road in a couple of years, we won't be talking about it. Let me, let me ask this. I, I was talking about putting restrictions, parameters, quantifying everything, just essentially adding so much to the pot, so much to the mix that you lose the simplicity of the game. I'm, I've got the, I've got the article pulled up here right now that has the, the intricacies of it all. Tell me how it makes sense for a league to ask its players to keep these all of these things in mind. Okay. So if you're either a pitcher or a base runner or a guy at the plate, so you have to keep in mind that there's a 30-second timer between batters, like we talked about. 15 seconds uh, with bases empty, 20 seconds with runners on the base. Um, let's see, what else do we have here? The pitcher must begin his motion to deliver the pitch before the expiration of the pitch timer. Pitchers who violate the timer are charged with an automatic ball. Batters who violate the timer are charged with an automatic strike. Batters must be in the box and alert to the pitcher by the eight-second mark or else will be charged an automatic strike. With runners on base, the timer resets. If the pitcher attempts a pickoff or steps off the rubber, pitchers are limited to two disengagements, pickoff attempts, or step-offs per plate appearance. Like... If a third, it, it, it continues. If a third pickout pickoff attempt is made, the runner automatically advances one base. If the pickoff attempt is not successful, like all of these it's things, that, how do you, how is it fair to ask these guys? And I get it. Like new rules are implemented, you have to grow and adapt. But it's just in order to make this work, you have to put all of these 
smaller details that these guys just, I don't know. It just seems like a lot. It's going to be a trial and error. Honestly, I think you're going to get the feedback and people aren't going to like it. I personally, I don't know if it says I haven't looked over in, you know, the, the fine print of it all. I think a warning initially should be the first case. Be like, hey, you're it's here's the warning. It's your only warning for the game. I don't know if that's in the in the writing or not, but it's not going to be perfect. And the thing is, I think MLB, if you're going to go this way, you have to try to guideline everything possible instead of you get put in a situation and then you go, well, wait, what's the rule for this? So I give them props for doing that. But like you're saying, it is confusing to hear that all out loud. I think as a fan or as a player you just hope as over time everyone gets in the rhythm of this in this internal clock that they've used in the past they're going to start to get used to this and I'm glad they're doing it for the off season and not during the season so hopefully guys can start to prepare for this a little bit more right. unlike last year when they had the sicky stuff happen during the season right. so I think a full off season plus this first year I think will give guys at least enough leeway to get that internal clock of, okay, we need to go. Yeah. I'm curious to see. I, I don't know. I haven't really paid attention. I, I I think it's majority of guys that are using the pitch comm now, right? I mean, there's only a select few that still are asking for, for catchers to throw down fingers. I think that's probably going to be like a, like a league-wide thing implemented next year with this. The other thing I'm curious about is how many hitters are you going to see act like there's something in their eye they call time you know adjust their batting gloves fix their helmet rub their eye whatever how many times can the pitcher step off the rubber if there's you know what i mean if there's miscommunication in those you know pitcher catcher back and forth of what pitch i want to throw how long are we able to cycle through these pitches that you're pressing on these buttons for me to say no 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 okay yes let's go so i think there's stuff that needs to be cleaned up but I think you're right Kyle it's it's going to be it's going to be weird it's going to be strange at first but for, I mean I I don't I I everything I've heard from the minor league system is that like both players and fans are loving it that's the feedback that I've gotten uh from what I saw Data wise, it looks as though the pitch timer reduced the average time of a game and across minor league baseball by about twenty six minutes. That's a big chunk. That's a big chunk. And again, I just want to clarify, I'm not necessarily against the pitch timer. I just yeah. think there's a lot to it. You're there's right. There's a lot to it. There's a lot of points to it. And I think over time, like I've said, right now when we're looking at it, it's hard to get your head around all of these how is it going to work? But and like Nate was saying, it's making an effect. And I think down the road, it's going to be fine. But in the short term, it's just going to take, it, you're going to have the frustrations. It's going to be stressful. It's going to even be somewhat annoying. But eventually, I think that the game will adapt to it. And they're going to have to. They're going to have to adapt. Right. Uh, defensive shift limits. The defensive team must have a minimum of four players on the infield with at least two infielders completely on either side of second base. And on the dirt, correct? Four infielders must be within the outer boundary of the infield when the pitch is, pitcher is on the rubber. Infielders may not switch sides. Uh, if the infielders are not aligned properly at the time of the pitch, the up... Th see, this is... This is where you start losing me. It's like, is this what is this? Build the game? 
If the infielders are not aligned properly at the time of the pitch, the offense can choose an automatic ball or the result of the play. Like, come on. Mm-hmm. These are the mm-hmm. these are the kinds of things where you start losing me. Like the the automatic ball or automatic strike for the pitch timer, the the choosing the result of the play. Like, what is this? Choose your own adventure story. I, I don't. What are we doing? I think it's consequences, and I think that's that's what it's trying to get to. I I think MLB is is trying to implement more of like a penalty style situation right like we see delay of game on the offensive side for football it's that five yard penalty a lot of times they'll burn a timeout to avoid that um and then you know like the three second or five second violation whatever it is in the nba um and then you work your way down into like okay well now you're out of fouls so now we're we're getting free throws to the other side i think it's creating a new way of of advancing offensive stuff advancing production in the game Honestly, I, I think reading these rules now, it's like you could be that way with any rule. If you pull up the official rule book and you read through it, you're like, this is exhausting. Like, why? this is too much. Why? Are we, what's up with the verbiage in this? And I think that's just the way all rules are. I'm, ex- I'm, I'm excited to see how this, how this affects things. And it's going to be heartbreaking to see teams lose in certain ways like that. You know, if this is a full count, bases loaded, two out situation, and then you're taking that, okay, I'll take that that free ball and walk a guy in. You know what I mean? I don't know. It's there. I think there's. It's it's going to take some modifying for sure. Yeah, I'm I'm indifferent to be honest on the shift changes. You know, I as a Growing up with the, before they moved to so many shifts, I thought, man, this kind of looks, you know, ridiculous. It's not what the game was intended to do. But I don't fault people because you think if you have data analytics, you believe that's the best, the best percentages to help you be successful defensively, get outs, and to help your team. So I don't blame them for that aspect. And as a hitter, it was it goes both ways. I would be super frustrated when I smoked the ball right into the shift. But then I'd be extremely pleased when I cued a ball that no one's at third base. Mm-hmm. So, you know, to me, it's I'm just truly going to be indifferent about this moving forward. But again, like all these rules, it's the the shift part here is at least relatively new. You know, it's not like the pitch clock has never been a part of baseball. Like baseball used to not have these shifts. So. At least there's going to be at least a uh, an understanding of how things were. But again, I'm curious to see what players are. But for me personally, you know, I think it might bother managers more. But for players, I think guys will be will be okay with it. I think it, I think I go back to that what we talked about when we first heard this as a thing, and Frankie Lindor came out and said, "I trust me, trust me as the sort the shortstop to be athletic enough to get to this ball." And I think that's kind of what we've missed. Like I miss, I miss those diving plays, throwing throwing runners out from your knees, kind of thing. That's what I want. That again, like, and, and I think it's now getting into that point. If we stuck with this shift, if we went a few more years with this shift, you could say I don't care how athletic or not athletic my third baseman is, as long as I position him in the right spot. And that's not okay for me. 
Like I, I need major league baseball players to be the most athletic at their position for that position. But you know what's not okay with me is over-regulating the game of baseball, telling guys what they can't do. Like that's like it goes back to what I was saying in the beginning. That's the beauty to me of baseball is that you get these guys have a fair shot. What regardless what side of the ball you're on, it has to play itself out. You can't run the clock out. I mean, now we're we're getting in the pitch clocks, telling a guy where he can't play, telling a guy how quickly he has to get rid of the ball on the mound. It's just to me there it's just become so overregulated that almost in the same way that it frustrates you, it's like you're not letting things play out the way that they would if you didn't regulate them. I don't know. That's just me. I think it's a combination of analytics getting getting too into this. And this is if we want to keep analytics, this is how we have to do it. We have to regulate how much we're using the analytics. That's what it was. We got to the point where this was just a math equation. That's how the Rays play baseball. Let's just do math. We're going to figure this out. This guy gets us to this hitter in the lineup, and then the next guy's coming in. And it's the same thing over and over again. And that, I, to me, that's not entertaining. I'm not going to watch baseball games if it's a routine ground ball to that position player in short right field all the time. That's a base hit from the ages of four until you're 18. And now all of a sudden it's getting into this, well, okay, well, we have more resources to be able to tell you where to go. I don't see it that way. I think this creates baseball to be the same throughout, minus pitch clock and and things like that. But if we're talking about consistency throughout baseball as what you're being taught as a a little kid all the way until you're growing up, it's shortstop plays here. He's the most athletic guy on, on, on the infield because he can get to those balls. That's my opinion. Yeah, I think also thinking about this, and you're right, analytics has definitely shaped the game. Both it has shaped it offensively, but specifically it's been more towards the pitching and defensive side. It's had the most impact. Just if I, you know, that's just my opinion on it. I'm sure you guys would mainly agree. agree. I would agree. Right. So this is a different take perspective I have. Hit average is down strikeouts are up I think baseball wants to see more offense and by taking away more of these quote-unquote shifts to go it back to the more traditional sense Mm -hmm. I think they realize that like you're saying your frustrations of people being in shifts in right field hey if you're a team and it works you're happy but as a fan as a product people like to see right offense and if you look at every other league of how they're doing things, and just because the football season start, looked at the rules that were implemented to protect quarterbacks and to and to to protect receivers because why people like seeing offense. I think that with these shifts, it's going to give a chance for more circumstances for offensive numbers. And I'd love to be able to see next year if offensive numbers rise because of the shifts being down. Because let's face it, that's what sells for people. Not not everyone is there, and even we're there to see it, to see great defensive plays and great pitching performances and your team winning. But other people are there for the entertainment side, and that is, you know, maybe plays the plate, guys having more hits, more runs scored. That is a that's a bigger issue, I think, that Major League Baseball is also trying to navigate. So that's just a different perspective I have on that. Bigger bases, bumping them up from 15, the traditional 15 inches, to now 18 inches. 
What do we think? On board? I like it. Oh, yeah. I like it. Brings the stolen base back. How many bang bang plays do we get of, of you know, or uh, even this? How many how many replays have we had? How many challenges have been made because a guy slowly comes off the bag for a split second and the glove's still on him because he's wearing this mitt and he can't grab the bag? I, I this it, it improves offense without changing things. We're not lowering the mound. We're not scooting the mound back. I feel like that would be too drastic of a change. This is like, okay, how can we introduce things back into baseball? The stolen base has been gone for 15, 20 years, right? It's like, I miss that. I miss that. I want that back. When's the last time you had a meaningful, memorable stolen base? I think Dave Roberts against Mo. That's like the last time that I'm like, that was the biggest stolen base that I can remember in recent history. And we need more. We need more of that. We need that to be a part of the equation again. So if if you put all these things together, if you put limiting the shift back onto the table, you're talking about more athletic position players. Necessary. They have to be more athletic to get to these balls. Then when you get them on the offensive side, and you say now you have to be a little bit more athletic to get that stolen base. It's it's reintroducing the athleticism back into baseball in my mind. I think this is going to be the least controversial of the of the rules. I would agree. You know, I, I think maybe some people initially at the major league level might be like, "What is that?" And we and we talked, we were joking before coming on, like, "Oh, is that like when I they they tested this last year in AAA?" And when you look at it initially, you're like, "That looks like a pizza box at first. Like that just looks unnatural." But the reality is, it really didn't. You didn't notice it much when you started playing. It really didn't. Actually, I think it's the most safe product that they can put out there. You know, I have big feet, and so being at first base, sometimes I try to use my footwork, but it's a small f- space for both the runner and the guy at first base. Same thing for guys turning balls at second base. Those are the two biggest areas, and I know they've changed rules for sliding to second, but if you can make it a bigger uh, point and it can help protect the players around the bag, because look how many guys also ankle injuries, mm-hmm. um, stepping on players. Like, there's... Things that you could prevent, I think that that's great. And really, and I mean this, it, it, I did not notice it at all after I got after a week. It it didn't seem any different. So that I think, MLB baseball shouldn't have a problem with that. Um, you know, moving forward. Yeah, I, I agree. I don't. I don't think people will remember that. Kind of like, I mean, it's it's different because it's on the the field of play. But it it kind of reminds me of the nets when when they installed nets down the line, where people were just outraged over it. It's like, mm-hmm. does anybody really think about that anymore? And I think this will kind of be this we'll, we'll one of those follow, things. Yeah, yeah, follow suit where people just aren't gonna think about yeah. it after a month. Um, but I think I'm, of that for me. I think I'm of just, that specific, like, just those those fans around. Even like I've sat there. I've sat. You just sat there the other day. I know it was the backstop, and that net's always been there. But like, you don't think about it anymore even now at this point and it's been two or three years so yeah i'm with you i think it falls right in suit with that i'm just glad they didn't it's, add the second base that's all because I, I knew there was yeah a thought I, that they yeah. might add that like orange base and i'm like okay yeah. if we do this we're no that I mean, that's too that's off that's the rails too, softball uh, radical yeah i uh, think i think the play that comes to mind is that like that swinging bunt or bunt catcher pitcher 
then you have that runner that leaks into the field of play just a little bit in fair territory. I think that starts to get a little bit more eliminated. You're talking about that first baseman being able to clear himself a little bit more on the inside of the bag or the outside of the bag, right? Just that extra help, I think, would would help with those types of plays as well. So I had a note here uh, to talk about the Dodgers being the first team to clinch a postseason spot, but uh, we were just informed that... They have not officially clinched a postseason berth yet after Major League Baseball announces error. So apparently yeah, they came back and came back and said uh, MLB announced that they did not account for a scenario where the Padres could still win the NL West over the Dodgers, leaving the Dodgers number or magic number at one. So I had a note here to just go into how they were the first team to clinch. This will be their 10th straight season in the in the playoffs, which it still will be. It's a shame they won't make the playoffs now. Yeah, I'm well, it's a shame. you're right. You're right. I should I should they're, they're I should not walk making the playoffs today. I should walk that back. We, we don't know that they're going to be in the postseason according to Major League Baseball. We 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 just don't know these things. It's be outdated by the end of the day. <laughs> Without a doubt. Um but uh my question for you guys, because there's only so much we can talk about in terms of them clinching versus not and all that, it's safe to say they will be in the postseason. But my question for you is, what on a much grander, broader scale, what is it going to take to see an end to the Dodgers' reign? Because we're going on – this will be uh, – if they win this year, it'll be the NL West division title for them – the ninth time in the last 10 seasons. So like, what is it going to take for us to see a major shift in that division? Because for all intents and purposes, it doesn't look like the Dodgers are, are slowing up anytime soon. To be honest, it's going to take the other teams, you know, Mm -hmm. continuing to get on the level, the giants to me, even though the Padres are the team that you look at, that should be the one, to take that next step. But I think the team that's that's won the division in the last 10 years was the Giants, uh, I believe, Kyle, right? They won it last year. Or was it was the last year? Yeah. Yeah. They were the best team. And the Giants are a very well-run organization, but the reality is you have to be willing to spend money, but you have to be willing to be efficient and to have a good organizational culture set in place. The Giants have done that. Now they have to figure out if they can bring in more money to have more pieces fit. The Padres have spent the money, but they don't have necessarily the culture that's going to get them over the hump. And I think we've talked on this, and maybe you guys would agree or not. The Dodgers are so confident going into every year with who they have that they believe that they are going to be the best team. And I think until a team can do that a couple years, the Dodgers aren't going to lose that momentum. That's what it's going to have to take is for culture, right pieces in place, and you have to overthrow them and then have the confidence. Because right now the Dodgers, every single year, go into it and go, well, we believe we're the best team. And then they go out and play that way. I think you got to see either the Rockies or the Diamondbacks go full Tampa Bay Rays mode and fire their entire front office and focus on analytics and find a way to beat them in a different way, right? Find a way to be so efficient with how you do business. 
because you're never going to be able to spend the same amount of money. You're not going to be able to be just as attractive for free agents. You have to find a new way to go about this. And it's, it's it has to come down to player development and scouting. Those two teams in my mind have to pick up what they're doing to even be in the conversation. Otherwise it's going to be like, I mean, this is, this is a joke at this point. So I'm assuming we're going to get a, a divisional read, you know, we're going to redivision everything in the coming years. I think realignment. I think, yeah, realignment. Thank you. I think we're going to have that at any point within the next, I don't know, probably 10 years. So you got to find a way to do something different. And it's just like, it's exhausting to see the Rockies and the Diamondbacks do the same thing. And the, and the Giants are just, I think they're old, man. I think they're just, the roster configuration just kind of confuses me a little bit. And the Padres just, I don't know. They're getting into Angels territory I'll, soon. I'm always the one to say, like, and I've said this about the Dodgers, it, star power doesn't matter if if a team has chemistry. So, like, for example, if the Dodgers are going up against a team that has chemistry, right? sure, their talent has to play there a little bit. But I feel like within this division, and let me clarify, when I say that about the Dodgers, it's like you can have all the star power you want. I more so mean that for the final game of the season. I That's for me, when I say that, that's more addressing, assuming you make it to the World Series, like everything changes there for me. And really a lot of October as a whole. Sure, they're going to run the table the, the regular season, but for me, what really changes, you can throw the star power out the window, but things have to come, the the cohesion, the chemistry has to be there. And a lot of times, that's how teams pull off these upsets, if you will, against teams like the Dodgers is because they have that, and the, the Dodgers rely too much on their star power. But to your point, Nate, you were saying they may have to go full raise mode I just don't it's it's tough for me to envision a scenario in which that becomes more effective than the star power over the course of a regular season. Like it might play come October. Yeah. To me. I think that's kind of the way I see it too. I I don't think we in in the Rays, I mean even still. Even we've we've seen them get to the World Series. We've seen them make a deep run in the postseason and over and over again each year at the beginning of the year no one has them winning the division. We just we don't have that. But it is that, yeah, but it's that team. I get it. And I'm not saying that someone else can become them, but I am saying is that they've clearly shifted their mindset to player development and scouting and trying to be smarter than everyone else. That's, that's something that the Rockies and the, and the Diamondbacks have to do. But I think you're right. I mean, the, the LA it's LA. You're always going to be able to attract free agents. You're always going to be able to talk that significant other into saying, Let's go get a beautiful home in perfect weather and stay there for the next 10 years for $300 million. And wifey's going to be like, sure, that sounds great. Versus, you know, some cold Detroit Tiger situation, right? People don't want to talk about it. I think Chelsea Freeman played a much, and I've been saying this since day one, played a much greater role in that Freddie Freeman situation than people want to give credit for. They just want to say, well, Freddie Freeman is Asian and and AA. Like those are the only factors there. No, I I think Chelsea Freeman played a a stronger role than people are giving credit for. Yeah. Well, it's for them, destination and how much money you spend. Because we talk about this all the time. Players will go places 
if you give them contract. And players will also go to places if they're desirable locations, whether the mm-hmm. team's really good or it's a great place to live. Now, I just want to point out with the Rockies, Denver's is a pretty fair size market. And they have the ability to attract. Denver's a great city. They need a new and, owner. That's what they need. And so, but so Denver can attract more star power. And the thing is, every organization should try to build from the ground up. You, if you have a strong organization, that's only going to help your team. And that's also why the Dodgers are playing so well. It's because they spend money, but they've done a great job of bringing up some of their players that it's have true. panned out. So you have that combination. What Tampa Bay has done is that no matter what happens, you're right, analytically, they have, they did what Oakland brought to this whole revolution of the game, but they did it better. Mm -hmm. Like Oakland was playing well, but Tampa does it better. And then everyone's, when they get to the playoffs, like, well, Tampa could be in the World Series, which they've done. So for Colorado and Arizona, they need to make sure that they continue to build their farm system. But the Rockies in particular, I mean, Arizona is a good destination. That's a good selling point. Right. Those, those organizations have the ability to attract free agents, but you have to show, like the Orioles right now, the Orioles now have, have the ability to show people, come play in Baltimore. We have some nice young pieces, but let's just face it. What's a more desirable place to go? Go out to Arizona, go out to Colorado. If the infrastructure that the Orioles have was in Colorado and Arizona, much more desirable for players to go. That's just the reality. That's a good point. So, yeah, I don't, I don't understand what the Diamondbacks are struggling with. I mean, how many, how many players that stay in Scottsdale in the off season? You know, how many players come early for spring training to get set up? It's like it, everything is right here. I don't know what the Diamondbacks are missing, but I, I, I do think they're on the. I do think they're on the, the upslope a little well, bit. I, I, that's what I'm saying right now. This is the crazy thing, and I didn't realize this till I looked this up. Currently at the moment, the Diamondbacks are a half game behind the San Francisco Giants. So they're making progress. Now it's going to be when the time comes, can their organization fit with attracting some of these big names? Uh, Nate, we got to talk about uh, the Braves-Mariners game three from Sunday. Uh, but before we do that, why don't you tell us about the people people on your shirt? Which, by the way, did you turn that long sleeve into a t-shirt? I just noticed I that. I did. I did. Good for you. Big big old baggy. So now it's just the, now it's just the comfy tee. That actually looks extremely comfortable. I'm not going to lie. I might, Very comfortable. I yeah. might do the same. Yeah. It's, it's a must. But, uh, you know, big league shoe. I guess I guess we could talk about the boys over at BLC. Founded by former left-handed pitcher Rob Nelson, Big League Chew started from humble beginnings in the Portland Mavericks bullpen in 1977. For more than 40 years, the iconic pouches packed with shredded, flavorful bubblegum has become the number one shredded gum of athletes everywhere. Big League Chew has sold more than 900 million pouches and is designated as the Hall of Fame bubblegum. Grab some gum and head to Big League Chew's social media channels at Big League Chew on Twitter at Big League Chew Gum on Instagram to show off your Big League bubbles. You can also find a list of retailers or purchase any of their products directly from their website at BigLeagueChew.com. We don't mention their TikTok in there, do we? They're on TikTok now. So if you're on TikTok, follow Bills oh, from them. on TikTok. Yeah. No, no, I know. But I'm, what I'm saying is they sent us this before they hopped yeah. on TikTok. Yeah. I haven't just haven't updated it yet, but... Go over to TikTok, hit up BLC. 
And if they you're a, if you're a rising student athlete, I see a lot of NII, NIL deals being uh, being handed out by BLC. Just saying. Very true. Yeah. Uh, Braves Mariners game three. Some, not me. Some are calling it the game of the year. And you know, I mean, for good reason. I mean, it was it was quite the uh, quite the roller coaster. J Rod leads off with a homer. Austin Riley ties it up. Adam Frazier has a two run triple. Sam Haggerty with an RBI single. Eugenio Suarez with his first homer of the day put him up puts up the Mariners five one. J P Crawford puts him up six one. Michael Harris with a homer. The comeback begins, becomes 6-2. Michael Harris homers again in the ninth, 6-5. Robbie Grossman hits a go-ahead two-run homer, 7-6. And then J-Rod comes up in the ninth. Just a missile. Just a missile tied up at 7. And then Eugenio Suarez walk off in the bottom of the ninth, 8-7. M's win. And take two of three from the Braves, which was, if you recall... My series to keep an eye on last Friday or last Thursday when we dropped episode 307. I said, Very keep true. an eye on this series. And I even said, dare we say a possible, and people will laugh at me, a possible World Series matchup. And look at how it lived up to it. Kyle, you should, you sent us this. You should, you should send out that link at some point in a bio of the highlights of that game. Yeah, yeah. Because... A little free promotion for MLB. If if uh, if you're a fan of a team or just want to get caught up on a game such as this, Google MLB Game Stories. It's a little tool that MLB has. Uh, we're not getting paid to talk about this, but it's a little tool that they have, and uh, you can pretty much get caught up on all all headline slash scoring plays of a of a game in probably the course of what did it take you guys like sixty seconds. Yeah, it's quick. So very quick and 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 very entertaining. And you you were right, Kyle. That series, that game Sunday night or Sunday afternoon, that that lived up to the bill. That lived up to the the expectation. I think you you have to. We didn't even mention the performance. I think Marco Gonzalez threw really well against the Braves. Um, and Odorizzi, like that was a pretty de- decent start for the Braves. Uh, and I, we've talked about how Odorizzi probably isn't going to be that. You're not going to see him with postseason starts unless we're, we're, you know, reaching seven games. I don't see it. He's probably that long middle relief kind of guy in the postseason. Um, but I, it, it lived up to the hype. Cause it's like the Mariners have to use this as a momentum builder. They have to, they have to use this to catapult them because the Braves are real. And if if you can watch this team beat up on another team that's real, like the Mets, and then you go and take two out of three from them, the crowd was lit. Your your young star performed. The guy you went and got in the offseason hit two big bombs, one being a walk-off in Suarez. It's like the pieces are starting to come together for the Mariners. Sold-out crowd. Uh, yeah. The, you mentioned momentum. The Mariners over the last five weeks are one of only two teams in that span to beat the Braves in consecutive games. It's pretty impressive. Yeah, and it's and it's and it's exciting. This is what's so great about that. That's a playoff atmosphere game yeah. out in Seattle, and these fans have been waiting for it. Like you said, it's almost sold out crowd. 
and you have all the star power, like everything you'd want to watch on a, especially a weekend series between two of the the best teams right now in Major League Baseball, you know, and, and also, I it, it wasn't um, it wasn't nationally televised, correct? I just want to make sure it wasn't no, a nationally last, televised game. No, last night's game was the Giants and Cubs, which whatever. that's what I thought, Giants and Cubs. But if this is what is so great, because we've talked about people, Atlanta's a big market, but Seattle, Julio Rodriguez feeling great, all smiles after that big contract. Which again, I think people, owners, organizations, it's working so far with the young star. That attention, that is what MLB needs. Julio Rodriguez is a superstar. He came up in a huge situation. And I mean, guys, the thing is, Houston's so good, we know. But now is Seattle is is Seattle now believing that they believing, sorry, believing is not a word. <laughs> Is Seattle believing? We'll see. We'll see. We can make it. Hey, they do it different out there in Seattle. Seattle's believing they could, this year. They're believing Seattle. Seattle, we you know trend it trademark it. Seattle is believing that they can go and win postseason games, and the fans believe it. The players believe it, and we when you see the energy that they brought from the fans and the and the players, they fed off each other. Wouldn't it be a great story? Do you guys think that they could be one of the teams that could sneak and have a dream playoff run? I don't think there are many teams out there right now that want to play the Seattle Mariners in a postseason series. I agree. It's as simple as that. I just think I mean it's it's got to be fun as a as a Mariners fan right now because of like the the guys that you feel like your organization doubled down on. You know what I mean? J Rod's real. Everyone knows that. But like, you go and get Adam Frazier. You go and get Suarez. You double down on Marco. Um, you go and get Sam Haggerty and add that. I mean, that guy is a problem. I, I don't care. He's He reminds me of like Nimmo and and uh, what's his face out in Baltimore? Mateo. It's like the, the guy that like you don't game plan for, but you probably should because he's going to affect the game in some way. Great, great defense, great base running. A problem pest at the plate. There, like this, this is coming together to be pretty impressive for for the Mariners. Despite a little bit of, I mean, this is the first time the Mariners bullpen has really shown like a solid chink in the armor in recent memory. And even then, their offense comes and picks them up, and that's what good teams do. Nate's only real hang-up over the course of the year with the Mariners has been their pitching, but I sent you this. Prior to this weekend, uh, the series with the Braves, since August 23rd, again, this was entering this weekend series, in 15 games, Mariners starting pitching had led Major League Baseball with a 1.61 ERA, 12 quality starts, and a .088 whip, which is second in all of baseball. Is that good? One would say. One one might think, yeah. One might think. So the other thing I want to, the last thing I want to rope in is that you talked about seeing fans seeing their organization double down, and last year the Mariners made some trades at the deadline that people thought of them being more sellers, mm-hmm. and fans were upset, and some of the players were upset, and the general manager came out and said, "We're not giving in," and I think he went on to talk about our moment is coming, mm-hmm. and this year they had the opportunity then to prove that to the players and the fan base. And boy, has he. 
for all the moves that they made, extending uh, J-Rod, and look what they are. It's an extremely exciting time in Seattle. I- I'm rooting for the Mariners. I think it's I- – I love it. I think it's so good for the game. I agree. I've, I've said to multiple people over the course of the last couple of weeks – that I couldn't be more on the Orioles bandwagon right now, but unfortunately, it just looks like it's slipping away. Mm-hmm. It just looks like the the wheels on the bandwagon are are starting to fall off a little mm-hmm. bit. So if that's the case, then I feel like my attention, as well as the majority of America's attention in terms of a team to latch onto, will shift to the Seattle Mariners because I think everybody wants to see the Seattle Mariners succeed. Don't sleep on the Orioles, though. The Jays and the Rays and the O's, or I think the Jays and O's have six more games. Jays and Rays got to play each other. It's hey, going to be a dogfight. I'm not giving up on the O's. I'm just saying. And your saying. Red Sox, were, they caused the problem. Like I said, this had to put, them on, put them on notice. Put them on notice. Okay, thank you. And so, I, another yeah. thing real quick on, on as far as following you know, matchups, what's coming up. The Mariners kind of have some light work ahead of them. They're in San Diego for two, but then it's Angels, A's, Royals, Rangers, and ends with the A's the Mar- and Tigers. The I just read this off. Uh, what was it? A couple episodes ago? The I want to say... They have one of the lightest schedules. They're literally 30th. Out. Literally yeah. 30th in terms of strength of schedule. There's there's yeah. no reason why that the the Rays or sorry not the Rays the Mariners should be in the postseason. I think we've all expected them to be, and now you're through this phase. It looks like they're in tremendous shape. They might even get and, the top spot in the wild card. I mean, right now they're they're right up there, right? They're right on the the cusp of it. Well, let's let's shift gears here. Keep uh, keep the American League playoff picture in mind here. Let's talk about the White Sox and Tony La Russa. Uh, we didn't get a chance to address the the news when it first broke about him stepping away, but it, it I think has since been announced that he's out indefinitely. Yeah, Is I think it I was saw? like kind of like I saw the update over the weekend. It was kind of a check in, and it was like he's not even certain. Uh, do we know what it is? Does anyone know what so it is? So he had a pacemaker inserted, um, mm. and says he's yeah. So he says he's uncertain when he'll return to the club. Uh, but I tell you what, Miguel Cairo, I'm loving that fit right now. He is running the show in Chicago and we were talking about before we hopped on, there is a date, which I believe August 31st was when this news was announced that Tony LaRusso would be stepping away since August 31st. Let me just run through the numbers I got here. August 31st. The White Sox have been the best team in the American League at 9-3. and three. Since August 31st, the White Sox have had the most runs per game by a team with 6.08 runs. The fourth most home runs in baseball, all of baseball, since August 31st with 18. The third lowest ERA in baseball since August 31st at 2.8. Third most strikeouts by a staff in baseball since August 31st at 110. Fifth best hits per nine in baseball since August 31st at 7.13 and the fifth best walk per nine in baseball since August 31st, 2.55. So if the White Sox do anything, and we pretty much pronounce them dead, dead, pretty much. We pretty much wrote them off. If they do anything down the stretch, they can point to a singular date on the calendar 
and say that's when things turned around. Brian, let me ask you this. Yeah, shoot. There's, There has to be this factor that no one really talks about, and it's the fact that the the disconnect or possible disconnect between manager and clubhouse and tell me what that feels like if you've ever been in a clubhouse where you felt like i don't have that connection with my manager and i'm in the majority of guys it's it's a struggle there's there's tension you know i think that because let's look at it this way if you have those types of feelings and that sensation and you're winning and because to be honest, th- this could have been problems last year, but the team was winning. The team was playing well, so winning cures a lot of things. It's when you go through these tougher parts, and for the majority of the year, the White Sox have gone through some extremely tough situations. And I think right now, as far as with with what what players are doing, it could be two things. It could be one, or you could make it three options. One, you try to rally around that, you know, I hope Larusa makes a recovery. I hope his health's okay, first and foremost. So some players want to go out there and, and play better maybe for him. The mm-hmm. second thing could be if there's a change, what's happened, and because he had to leave and you have someone else that's going to be on site being the interim manager, does that cause a spark? And the third thing could be also is that there's a realization that this is it for the White Sox season, that there is no more time to figure it out. This is the final month. And whichever one it was, and I think there probably is a correlation of of, of some of those three points that, that came about, but the White Sox understand that if they're going to make the playoffs and they're going to give it one last push, it has to be now. And they have played some, you know, Kyle just read off all the stats. They're playing well. So they're going to have to continue this, whatever they're feeling, they got to ride this as long as possible. Because like like I said, this is their final stand. They're two and a half games back. Mm -hmm. And I don't know how many games are left in the season, but if the White Sox are going to come alive, which they seem they have, which they, which they have, um, you have no more lifelines. This is it. And so I'm really, as a baseball fan, I would love to see this race come down to the wire. I don't, yeah, I don't it's know. Not what like, it... It's not like the Guardians have just like completely, this division is up for grabs. You know, I, I think it's like, you got to have that conversation. And I'm sure Cairo came in and was like, as bad as we've been, as underwhelming as we've played, this division is still within reach. We could still make this happen. And you talk about star power, they have the guys that that would be a team where I'd be like, I don't know if I want to see you build momentum into the postseason. Miguel Cairo gives me big Alex Cora vibes. And I know I know I use Alex Cora a lot as like my standard, but in terms of being a player manager, I, I truly don't think there's a better guy in the league that that is that. And just seeing even White Sox fans who have just been pretty much in a pit of depression all season just with the way things have gone the way decisions have been made the way things have played out over the course of this season even they're looking at this and being like this this is our guy right now let's like mm-hmm. let's ride and i i just i get this Alex Cora vibe from Miguel Cairo and they're only 2 years apart in age i looked it up they're 
They're on the younger end. They yeah. understand what their players need, what their players want, what's best for their guys, the decisions they need to make. And I think it's paying off for these guys. I wouldn't be surprised if La Russa does not come back and the White Sox make the postseason that Cairo is not the manager of the White Sox next year. I would agree. I would not be surprised. I would agree. And I actually would expect that if that's if that were to happen. You know, and, and also, guys, here's the reality. I just looked up the schedule. Are, are the White Sox have four more games against the Guardians. And the Which, Guardians, did we did we mention already? They swept the Twins. In, in case people are wondering, we did not don't, mention that. So the Guardians don't sleep that. on the Guardians. But so the other are, series we said to pay attention to, by the way. Yeah, I was real snooze fast for the old uh, the old Twins. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, they unfortunately that that was a big blow for them. They're dropping four and a half back. But for Cleveland and for the White Sox, and this is where it gets really interesting, that the White Sox got four more shots at them. But on top of it, Cleveland still has to play the Twins. They got to go play the Rays. And then yes, they'll have some quote unquote easier games. But the three-game series that the White Sox are going to have, if you can be... Imagine the White Sox are within a game, game and a half going into that series. Isn't that what you want as a mm-hmm. White Sox fan to just be right there? And as a baseball fan, wouldn't you want to see the division up for grabs with almost 10 days left in the season? Maybe that's just absolutely. me. Yeah, absolutely. Yeah, absolutely. Good spot to be in. Yeah, I think Cairo definitely has that just like the... The younger connection, I think, is it makes a big deal. Um, uh, I don't know if Tony Larusa can, but I'm sure Spanish Spanish speaking probably makes a, a bigger connection as well. And you know, when you talk about the guys that, and he, I, I think that's kind of the perfect comparison to Cora's because it's like that guy that maybe wasn't the superstar hitting in the middle of the lineup. He's a key piece on a lot of different teams that made a lot of different runs. I think um, Tony does. He does Spanish. We does I think he? we talked about that when he took the job. That that was a, yeah. a selling point. Yeah. But either way, I mean, it's it it's it looks like they've they've got a spark and it's going to be working. So keep going. The White Sox need to be in the postseason. Wow, how the tune has changed. They need to be. They need to be. What? That's the only I mean, way that you can't chalk this up as an utter failure from top to bottom is that and and if they make a run or not I doubt it but they need to be and it's the only I mean, way that they're not going to be calling for Tony Russo's head when this season is done What do you got Ryan? I was just saying they have an extremely talented lineup. They really do. Yeah. And that's the thing is that the bats can stay hot and the the, the pitching is going to be the, the 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 big thing. I mean, we all know they have certain guys, and I haven't followed uh, Dylan Cease's numbers recently. You don't need but, to. He's he's Cy Young. <laughs> okay. Well, I know. So he's been their best guy. Yeah. Goodness. He's at two. He's he's continuing to lower his ERA. So you have him, and then you have guys that that like Giolito that hasn't had the year that you were hoping, but you have the you have guys there where you can bring it together. And I hate that we're continuing to say that, but it's not like they don't have the talent. The talent is there. Get to the playoffs. Anything can happen. 
Yeah. But last thing I'll say is the Guardians, props to them. They are they are doing everything they can to hold on and win that division. And I don't think they I don't think Francona and that group gets enough credit. Who knows, man? Maybe Jose Ramirez saw something that us average fans didn't see when he agreed to yeah. that low ball of a contract. He said, Yeah, they got something cooking here. Who knows? Who I don't knows? even I don't even know if Cleveland fans care <laughs> if the Guardians make it or not. I, I just it doesn't seem like it's you know what I mean? There they have there's a <clears throat> excuse me, there's, there's a, a select percentage. Few. Yeah, yeah, there's a percentage there that, that yeah, certainly the cares. diehards for sure. But it's like I don't know. I mean, you could really say that about a lot of fan bases, but yeah, I think uh, I think the the White Sox need to go after. This I mean, what thing. are they gonna do? Turn to the Browns? Like, I, I what's yeah. the alternative? Cleveland, man, it's all of it. I don't I don't think that's possible. Every part of Cleveland is, eh. just a mess. Uh, <laughs> let me let me share some some information about SeatGeek. Nate, SeatGeek has answered all your ticket needs. Looking for tickets? Do you have plans of friends or family to make it to an upcoming game or concert, or even looking months ahead to nail down a date to get tickets before they sell out? With SeatGeek, you can find tickets, games, concert shows, and even theater performances with just a few easy clicks. Or make it even better for you if you're a first time user SeatGeek. Next time you add some tickets to your cart, use our promo code T-H-R-E-E-O-H-T-A-K-E. That's 3-O-TAKE spelled out at checkout to save $20 instantly off your first purchase as a first-time user. It's all you got to do to save some of that. Cold hard cash. And to promo code 3-O-TAKE, it's our social handle at checkout. Um, Nate, care to address... Uh, Albert Pujols situation. The the bombs are getting into bombs at this point. These are not wall scrapers anymore. I don't and know like, what he's done mechanically to, okay. to find this hold, extra hold juice, on, hold but on. he's got I need, it. I need to throw this out there because nobody else wants to say it, and I just need to, I, I just want to propose the idea. Get it out there. Are they juicing Albert Pujols' baseballs? No. For, for his at-bats. I just no. want to throw it out there. I'm not saying I believe it. I'm not okay, saying that's what they're doing. Okay. I just want to throw, throw that comment back. I in. just want to no. throw it out there so we can explore all avenues here to this situation. You know what? That's not the avenue I thought you were going. No. I'll back that theory. <laughs> oh my god! Because you is too. it? Come on, like, look, Ryan. Look, look at these you're baseballs. Get me all fired up. It's like we're talking about Matt Weeders again. And you guys not giving Matt Weeders his due. Look at like these baseballs. The beginning of this year, they were wall scrapers. We're talking oh, second and third brother. row. Now they're hitting halfway up the foul pole. Like now they're Ryan, going deep four thirty <laughs> right center. I'm like, where is this power very, coming from? At the very least, Ryan, do you not think that it's even? slightly no, suspicious no, no. How, they've already admitted they do this for games well let me just say this since he's gotten on a tear since he's seemed to pick up some some slack so the month of august he had eight home runs and for that month his consistency and playing time significantly increased so my my theory is um is that Albert got in a rhythm. He's playing consistently and getting at bats. And when you're hot, you're hot. And and if you are a great player, you're going to find ways. I mean, David Ortiz was playing well to the end of his career. Albert Pulos is finding ways to do that as well. The greats do it. I am not going to sit here and, and let you guys say, well, the balls are getting more juice. <laughs> I'm not saying these aren't home runs. 
with regular balls or juice balls. <laughs> I'm just saying they're going majestic now. And that's not what he's had in the tank for a while. Can we all agree on that? Can we just also point out the fact that David Ortiz was 40 in his final season and the papers say that the papers say he's 42 and realistically he's like (laughs) 66. So, I mean, that's that's all I'm going to say. And again, this is not because I just want to get out in front of this. I know people are saying that Nate is the one that's been putting all the pool slander out there over the course of the year. I'm not, I'm no not contributing. It's been full slander, nothing but. I'm not contributing to this slander. I'm just throwing this idea out there because it seems like people are tiptoeing around this possibility, but nobody actually wants to say it because nobody wants to take anything away. But here at the 3 0 take, we're, gonna, we're just going to lay it out on the table and dissect it from there. I just yeah. wanted to see if there was any response to, to what was just floating around out there. That's all. Yuck. He's okay. So I'm just going to, you know what? Just not going to, I'm done. I'm done. I'm not going to go back into that. I'm just going to say this Albert Pulos, consistent at bats. He has 11 home runs in, in the last month. He is feeling it. And yes, he's hitting some bombs. But <laughs> I truly think he is just putting it together. And we talked about this. This isn't that, hey, let's throw Albert out to get out there. This is Albert is winning games for the Cardinals and. Hitting go-ahead home runs. He is three away yeah, from 700. I mean, you're exactly right. I mean, he knows. He, it, it's obvious that the moments are never too big for him. He's been through everything in his career already. I think this is just like a part of it. Yeah. And then here comes well, we got two and a half weeks. Here comes Ryan with just the statistical evidence. Well, the increased ABs, the, the elevation of the parks he's playing at. Okay, buy into the conspiracy one time, Ryan. Just buy into the conspiracy. Like, get on no. board with us. Get on board with the possibility, even just to the slightest degree, that they might be juicing the baseballs. I won't do it. I just will like, not let's do get this weird. One. We got less than a month left of the season. Let's just let's get a little weird with it. All right. Let's make this race. Let's make this race against time a little more interesting than it already is. You know what? Just buy it. Hmm. I'm not buying this one. You guys might be able to convince me on something else. Let me let know, me we can, let me throw okay. this idea out there. I want let you to look at the ro- distance, the average distance of home runs oh, in the last. <laughs> I mean, he's hitting nukes. <laughs> do, do we at 66 do we have the stat cast? At 66 ripe years old, he's hitting <laughs> nukes. <laughs> well, let me ask Again? you this though: If he surpa- if he not only gets to 700, but he continues a tear and maybe get who? Kn- I'm just gonna throw this number out there. Say he gets freaking 705. Are you not gonna be a little confused as to ah, what, what's going on here? What, what okay, doing? if he gets the seven of if he hits nine or eight more bombs, then yes, I might throw up. I might throw a challenge flag. No wrong sport, but or or what's the he- headset? Headset yeah, give me, for baseball. Give me, give me the headset. Yep. Headset, that's baseball. Yep. Yeah, yeah, both flag headset. Then yeah, maybe I'll be like, huh, because that would put him at 19 home runs in a month, in a month and a half. Yes, 705. We can we can challenge that. Everything right now though, I truly think though, it's gonna come down to the wire. I think it's gonna be we're gonna be in that last week, maybe last five games, and Albert's gonna be, is he gonna get it or not, and. I I don't think I think seven oh five is too uh, too much. Then we can be on the same conspiracy. 
That's... Until then, I'm well, not jumping the, on the, pro- the Kyle well, that, and Nate that's the problem. conspiracy wagon. That's the problem. If he gets a 705, you'll be behind the eight ball. The conspiracy will have already taken uh. off. So you either need to hop on board now while while it's still fresh. It's true. Because if you're not with us at 697, you're not going to be with us at 705. That's that's just how it is. <laughs> that's not how this bandwagon works. That's oh, not I'm, how this conspiracy no, operates. Okay. All right, you know what? Then I'm gonna just, I'm standing my ground or standing that's my fine. seat. That I'm, I'll, my, I'm gonna be my, looking my forward. My creaking seat. I'm gonna be looking forward to Ryan somehow defending Albert Pool's 723 home runs at the end of the season, based on the increased at bats that he's getting. That's gonna be interesting. Can't wait for that one. 723. If he's on his way, that'll be fun. Um, I think it's it's fitting to say uh, goodbye to the teams that have been eliminated over the last week or so. Adios. Uh, there was a little bit of a discrepancy. It doesn't sound like you guys think the Royals have been eliminated, but the, the sources that I'm looking at show that the Royals have, in fact, been eliminated. Not sure if that's uh, been confirmed. But as of right now, we know for sure the A's, Nationals, Pirates, and Tigers. Uh, adios. It's been a fun run. I think that everyone's known they've been eliminated since June. Or that's usually kind of how it feels. Hey, let me ask you a question here, just for fun, 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 fun exercise. Of the teams eliminated, any of them you think can have a Cinderella year next year? I thought it was going to be the Tigers this year, but that was a wildly massive disappointment. Boy, were were you mistaken? I was big. I was big on the Tigers coming in this year, man. Like of those teams, it's got to be them. Like oh. the rest of the teams are just bad by default. Yeah, I think. Well, I mean, I think they're more ready than the A's. I think they're more ready than the Pirates, the Nationals. I think you were just a, a few years early on your prediction, but I don't know I about a the, few. The Tigers are going to be okay. Maybe one or two off, but not not a few. We're not getting into the three territory. They'll 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 be here before three years. Yeah. I think so. I think Tigers make the move. I think I think they'll make moves. Just not this year. Obviously, it's not this year. I mean, they could. <laughs> Miguel's got to retire. I think. I think we're getting close to that. No, uh, I think he said he's coming back next year. Yeah, I know. I think I think he's got to retire for any moves to be made. Look, the math says they're out of it. But if they if they <laughs> if they believe, they can pull this thing out. Especially with believing can in happen. The, Just like keep we said, believing in. The, divi- the division, the division, the division's up for grabs. So I mean, if they want a piece of the pie, it's theirs for the taking. They just got to play real good ball these last two weeks. Keep believing in. <laughs> you never know what real can happen. Good. That's why you play the game. Oh, I, I was mistaken. Three, what? We got three weeks actually, because it goes to like a week into October. So yeah. even more good news for the Tigers. They, they can make it happen. They're gonna be okay. Uh, before we get out of here, Nate, uh, remind the people about uh, what we're doing with Chalkboard and tell the people to get over to Chalkboard. Yeah, get over to Chalkboard. We're doing uh, we're doing group chats over there, hanging out, talking stuff. But if you're into betting, um, Chalkboard is kind of like the a little community home for your, your sports betting. You can basically just... Uh, kind of merge what you're doing. You can you can sync what you're doing on DraftKings or FanDuel and get them over on Chalkboard. You can track how your betting's been doing. 
um, and other people can see it and you can build a little community. But as far as us, that's how we're looking to communicate with you guys. We've got some things in the works um, throughout you know, the off season and maybe even next year of what we want to do. So get on over there, hop into some group chats. Uh, we're definitely going to be doing some things for the postseason as well. Some little chat parties, maybe even some little watch parties, things like that. Um, and for us as the three Oh take, uh, we're looking for a little, little betting guru. So, you know, we're looking to introduce some, uh, some betting into our segments or uh, into our podcast for your own little segment. So if you're a guru, you know, your sports betting stuff. Um, I should say baseball betting, obviously, if you know, baseball betting and if you can pay attention and you can talk and you know how to articulate how this stuff works, hit us up, hit us up. And we're going to, we're going to possibly try to create something around what you're capable of doing, but you got to be good. So make sure you know your stuff and make sure you're prepared and, uh, just hit us up and we'll talk to you a little bit more about what we're looking for. And again, to reiterate, this doesn't have to be a sports betting thing for you. Like, if you're not into sports betting, you can still just get the chalkboard app. Yeah, it's join, just a group chat. That's all it is. Just join yeah. our join our group chats if you want to. That's I mean, I'm not all that much into sports betting, Nate. That's yeah. more your more Barely. your lane. So I'm just gonna be chatting it up with the the guys and gals that want to partake in some group chats. Uh, so yeah. again, hit up the link in the bio, or you can go to. Uh, our website, 30take.com slash chalkboard. And be sure to use our link because that's how you're going to get to our, what is it? The board? Yeah, the boards. Get to, board. get to the Get to the board. You can add boards from other, other things that you're paying attention to. It doesn't have to be just us. It's a little community though. And that's what we're trying to do is, is chat with you guys. And if you want to hang out with us and talk games, if, we're watching games together. We can hop in the group chat and talk about the games, things like that. So get on over there. It's fun. Uh, last thing before we wrap it up, I failed to mention, uh, well, all of us failed to mention, uh, pool hole 697, uh, the gesture. I don't know if you guys saw. I you guys did. Any idea that was really cool. Yeah. Yeah. So, so, uh, Pools hits 697. They're in Pittsburgh. I guess the guy and the girl, uh, I can't remember if they were married or not, but they snatched up the ball. And so I guess they met him after the game, I think is what I read. And he said uh, they basically offered to give it to him back. And I, they probably thought, oh, we'll probably get like autograph bar or whatever. But Pujols found out whether it was through them or through another source that the girl's dad had passed away a year ago and so he was like no you guys just keep he's like you keep that that would mean more to you than it would to me so the ball that put Pujols in sole possession of fourth place all time is now owned by her because Pujols said no that would mean more to you or it'd mean it'd mean more to me if you had it than if I had it so just wanted to give Pujols some love there classy very classy move Amazing and, gesture. And and on top of that, I think they still got autographed baseballs. Yeah, he him, gave them so. each a each a sign ball. Yeah. Yeah. Incredible. Love that. Gr- great ambassador for the game. And why wouldn't you want him to hit seven hundred and twenty three home runs, Kyle? 
I mean, he may he may very well finish the year with 800 home runs. Who time will tell. I mean, he's gonna Just get the ABs. On the he's gonna get the ABs. The matchups are there. Got to check the elevation of some of these parks, but all the balls are juiced. Apparently, okay, the path, I'm getting out the of here. The path is guys. there. The path is there. You guys got anything else? We got to get out of here. I'm getting out of here. I'm done with this conspiracy. <laughs> uh, nope, that's it for me. I'm done. Ryan, that's it. Just uh, it's always a pleasure, guys, and for everyone else, just it's, remember it's always a great day to have a day. And until next time, uh, enjoy your Monday. And Nate, Kyle. Have a great one. Don't get chasing curveballs, folks. We love you all. And as always, looking forward to talking more baseball with you guys soon. Until next time, stay filthy.